0: Leading saints and forest witches. The past unburied. The books unsealed. The old celebration returning.
1: Hello, and welcome to my study. Please. Are you sure you want to go on with that noise? The cat. <sighs> Sorry. Hello, and welcome to my study. I'd like to introduce my valet, Wilkinson, who will be reading from any historical sources we'll be directly quoting in the show. I just didn't think we'd be recording with the cat in the background. Mm-hmm. I suppose I need to start introducing the cat, to Or would you like to? I- I'm not... Sure. Listeners to our last episode, and those who are listening a few months ago when uh, this uh, first happened, will be familiar with our unseen cat that showed up in the walls once my friend Paul Kudnare. It's just ridiculous trying to explain this. It was a mummified Egyptian cat that Dr. had loaned, and, and I then insisted on taking back. That's what started it. The noise began in the cat's absence. It sounds a bit counterintuitive. Uh, rather crazy, actually, but we're not saying they're one and the same. It, it could have just been some random wandering stray that uh, got itself uh, caught in the walls. Though I've never been able to find a physical cat.
0: I've even set out food, but nothing appears. We just hear it.
1: In any case, that's not it, what you're hearing. No, it's only a recording. Well, probably. We don't know. And that's the beauty of it, actually. Mr.
0: Ridenour came up with the idea after I said the cat sounded a bit lonely. He
1: found a recording of a cat and began playing it uh, on a loop. At first it seemed to make the uh, real cat, or whatever it is, more uh, excited. It, It made more noise, but then its noises became less frequent, as if we had tired it out. Or as if it would more
0: content less lonely sometimes it would seem to join in again but
1: it was infrequent eventually we couldn't tell if it was the real cat or the recording honestly it felt like it mattered less that way since the recording is under my control it 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 doesn't bother me the same way all we have to do is play the cat recording for four hours straight yes it seems like uh, four hours is what it takes to uh, tire it out And then we get four hours of silence after that.
0: It's only really a problem at night. I can get by on four hours, but I worry about you. Sitting up with the recorder in the dark. Last night I thought I heard you playing the loop
1: backwards. I was doing an experiment. Well, of course, sir. Uh, Anyway, we should uh, be able to turn it off now and... Record the meat of our show. What about doing the mailbag? I thought it would be more interesting to talk about the cat, honestly. Okay, on to our show. Episode 29 The Bloody Chamber. I am your host, Al Reidenour, and this show, Bone and Sickle, explores the uh, intertwining of horror and folklore in a uh, historical context. I started the show as a way to further expand upon uh, this area of intersection after uh, writing my book, The Krampus and the Old Dark Christmas. Bone and Sickle only exists thanks to the uh, generosity of our Patreon donors, who receive a number of monthly rewards related to the production of this uh, program. I'll have more on uh, Patreon at the end of the episode.
2: You beast! You wicked fiend! Let me go! There's
1: no use (laughs) screaming, Nadia. Come, and the other ladies are waiting for you to join them.
2: Let me go! Let me go!
1: (laughs) Well... He's not quite as beastly as he should be. The blood and murder got dialed way back on this 1970 story record for children. And nowadays, it would be all but impossible to find Bluebeard in any collection of uh, fairy tales for children, thanks largely to the uh, bloody chamber scene, which uh, we've taken as our episode's title. The uh, chamber in question is a room in Bluebeard's castle, which the mysterious and wealthy nobleman has forbidden his new bride to enter. And uh, here is what his wife finds when she does.
0: At first, she could not see anything plainly, because the windows were shut. After some moments, she began to perceive that the floor was all Covered over with clotted blood, on which lay the bodies of several dead women. These were all the wives whom Bluebeard had married and murdered.
1: The passage is from Charles Perrault's uh, 1697 version of the story. Perrault also gave us Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, and Red Riding Hood, and was uh, one of the first collectors of fairy tales uh, more than a century before the Grimms got into the business. His uh, Bluebeard was the first version of the story to appear in print, though we can assume it's an adaptation of uh, earlier folk tales. In our next episode, I'll be exploring uh, some of his uh, possible inspirations, including a colorful tale of a cursed Breton nobleman also associated with werewolf legends, as well as the legend of a former associate of uh, Joan of Arc, Gilles de Rey, who uh, was brought to trial for a series of uh, ghastly murders in the 15th century. But uh, now, to uh, briefly summarize Perro's story. It begins with Bluebeard corking an unnamed woman, inviting her and her family to his magnificent estate and entertaining them with a week of lavish banquets and uh, outings. Despite some misgivings over Bluebeard's strange uh, facial hair and history of uh, disappearing wives, she marries the nobleman. Immediately thereafter, Bluebeard announces he must depart on business, encouraging his wife to continue entertaining her family in the palace. All the luxuries of the palace are placed at their disposal, and they may make use of any of the uh, rooms but for one. And... uh, Here, of course, he is very emphatic. Nonetheless, he provides his bride with keys to every room, including the forbidden chamber. As we know, curiosity gets the better of the woman, and in her terror, she drops the room's key in the blood. Unfortunately for her, the key is magic, and the red stain that would uh, betray her disobedience simply can't be cleaned away, no matter what she does. Bluebeard makes an unexpected sudden return, immediately asking for his keys. He notices one is missing. After some stalling, the wife produces the key, saying she has no idea why it might be stained red.
0: "'You do not know,' replied Bluebeard. "'You went into the closet, did you not?' "'Very well, madam. "'You shall go back and take your place among the ladies you saw there.'
1: She begs some private time to make her final prayers, during which she calls out to her sister Anne, who is still in the palace, asking her if their brothers, who had announced plans to return later that day, would soon be arriving. Anne goes to the tower to look for them, calling out at first that,
0: I see nothing but a cloud of dust in the sun and the green grass.
1: And then later,
0: a great cloud of dust approaching us. Are they my brothers? Alas, no, my dear sister. I see a flock of sheep.
1: Meanwhile, Bluebeard has begun bellowing for his wife to present herself, when Anne finally sees the brothers, though still far off. The wife can hold off her furious husband no longer and throws herself at his feet, weeping and pleading.
0: This means nothing, said Bluebeard. You must die. Then, taking hold of her hair with one hand and lifting up the sword with the other, he prepared to strike off her head.
1: Well, as you might suspect, the brothers arrive in the nick of time and dispatch Bluebeard with their swords. The wife inherits the estates, rewards her brothers, and happily marries a more worthy companion. By 1792, Perrault's tale had arrived in England in chapbook form. That is, the uh, little inexpensively printed booklets sold at markets and fairs the chapbook Bluebeard uh, played up sensational and gory elements. Uh, Here's a bit from one.
0: She found herself amidst the severed limbs and mutilated bodies of her husband's former wives. The scene was
1: frightful. The crude illustrations included might also be liberally hand-tinted with swaths of red in these uh, bloody scenes. Work uh, usually done cheaply by children who were also a target market for these books. With titles like
0: The History of Bluebeard, an Entertaining Story for Children, or A Keepsake for Children.
1: The story was also quickly anthologized in Mother Goose collections, enjoyed by the uh, sturdier child of the uh, 1800s. <laughs> Well, the story was uh, popular in these anthologies and chapbooks. Bluebeard was perhaps even uh, better represented on the stage. So I'll be talking a fair amount about that, specifically the uh, English language uh, stage. The first British production in 1791, Bluebeard, or the Flight of the Harlequin, included comic pantomime scenes, or Harlequinades was something popular at the time. These featured Harlequin and figures like Pantaloon and Columbine from the Italian Commedia dell'Arte. It also introduced a supernatural element, uh, magical spirits commanded by a sorcerer Bluebeard. It was a popular Christmas production for uh, Covent Gardens and uh, set the tone for future comic or semi-comic productions. However, the real Game Changer came in 1798 with Bluebeard or Female Curiosity. If you've been a bit confused thus far in the show because you've always imagined Bluebeard as some sort of Middle Eastern sultan, it's because of this production which set the story in Turkey and influenced how the story was told and illustrated into the present day. Bluebeard was renamed Abomalik and equipped with a scimitar. His wife became Fatima, and sets and costumes got lavish Eastern makeovers. The change was an expression of a growing fascination with the exotic East, spurred in part by the uh, recent appearance in Europe of uh, translations of One Thousand and One Nights. In 1782, Mozart had already used this setting for his uh, abduction from the Seraglio, and Shakespeare, much earlier, had given British audiences the tortured, wife killing Moor, Othello. Now, this trend, fueled by Napoleon's Egyptian campaign, launched the same year as this uh, production, uh, eventually snowballed into the Orientalist movement. I discuss more in the uh, Undead Lovers and uh, Victorian Mummies episode. While in some translations of uh, Pero's original, the room in question is modestly rendered as closet. This uh, 1798 production made it much more spectacular and also makes the uh, room itself, like its owner's beard, blue. The script calls for blue smoke when the key is turned in the lock and the vast chamber reveals...
0: Various tombs in a sepulchral building in the midst of which ghastly and supernatural forms are seen, some in motion, some fixed. In the center is a large skeleton seated on a tomb with a dart in his hand smiling, and over his head, in Characters of Blood, is written, The Punishment of Curiosity.
1: This skeleton, by the way, in the uh, final scene, uses uh, his dart to stab Abomalik, or Bluebeard, while dragging him through the trapdoor accompanied by uh, fire effects. Which is not to say that these uh, gothic touches were all in earnest. Here's an example of a few lines from uh, the script, demonstrating a more playful side.
0: A fond husband will, after a conjugal strife, kiss, forgive, weep, and fall on the neck of his wife. But Abomalik's wife other conduct may dread. When he falls on her neck, tis to cut off her head. In
1: 1857, there appears another play called Harlequin Bluebeard with a similar mix of gruesome effects and comedy including a uh, pantomime sequence in Bluebeard's kitchen involving a hot poker and all the physical humor a uh, hot poker can produce. Bluebeard's wives are played by men, a bit of cross-dressing still typical of pantomimes or pantos presented in modern Britain around Christmas still. The play includes a witch, a uh, fairy, ghosts, and demons, one of whom uh, observes of Bluebeard, or of as he's again called,
0: he makes some simple maiden mistress, Obamalik, chops off her head, and weds another in a week. Twenty-one wives he's had. I call that plenty. I've found one wife enough without the twenty.
1: The uh, blue room is again crammed with uh, spook house effects, as the script makes clear. And it's full of ghosts who address uh, Fatima as she enters, saying,
0: Because we came peeping within this chamber blue, he cut off all our heads. And he'll do the same to you. Uh,
1: it's only the heads of the murdered wives you'd see, so this one featured feature the heads exhibited on plates, but elsewhere you'll often see them uh, hanging by their hair. For an 1868 Harper's Magazine article, Winslow Homer was called upon to uh, illustrate the illusion of these... Uh, talking heads, depicting not only the heads, but the actresses on the other side putting their uh, own heads through slits in a stretched sheet. The article describes a number of uh, tableaus from the story that might be uh, created as a party entertainment at home.
0: Of bluebeard's missing wives Their severed heads still bleeding Their eyes still crying
1: The uh, 1993 Jane Campion film, The Piano, set around this time, happens to have a scene in which the staging of this exact tableau of hanging heads is recreated. I'll have a link to all these uh, visuals on the website.
2: Oh, husband, what a surprise!
0: Yes, wife, a surprise indeed. So now you know my secret.
1: There is uh, one last stage version I'll mention, the 1903 American play Mr. Bluebeard, which, despite being a 20th century production, still used the uh, complete 19th century bag of tricks. It's full of the comedy audiences would have been used to for many generations by that point. The satiric dialogue, for instance, spoken by Bluebeard. I
0: love and gore my hands to steep. I revel in villainy dire and deep. Is a fiend incarnate. I'll admit that I'm emphatically it.
1: Or this song raving about being comically raving mad. and there was the uh, tried and true orientalist spectacle lavish sets actors in two-man elephant costumes aerialists scattering rose petals over the audience unfortunately it's not all this the production is remembered for but a fire that broke out during a christmas staging in chicago in 1903 one which claimed the lives of 602 people including many children who had been brought to a special matinee show for the holiday The wires used for those aerialists I mentioned were said to have blocked the descent of a protective asbestos fire curtain, which itself turned out to be made not of asbestos, but cheaper wood pulp. The only good to have come of it all was the uh, heroism of those attempting rescue, and the famous vaudevillian Eddie Foy taking to the stage to calm the crowd while flaming debris fell around him, which would have been quite a sight. Uh, especially as Foy was costumed for his role as uh, Sister Anne at the time. Now, with all the blood and decapitated bodies, you might be wondering, where are all the Bluebeard horror movies? Every time I painted her, I had to kill
0: her again. Finally, life gave me nothing to me, not even my own. This
1: 1944 Bluebeard does feature John Carradine, who put in his share of horror film appearances, but it abandons the traditional tale, reinventing its title character as a uh, troubled. Parisian artist and puppeteer and giving him uh, a somewhat sympathetic backstory that undercuts the horror and puts it more in the uh, psychological thriller category though really not that thrilling then in 1972 we have
2: Bluebeard Burton is Bluebeard he had a way with the world's most beautiful women he did away with them why did you kill them? Why? Why else? They deserve to die. One, he shot. One, he drowned. One, he froze. One, he chopped.
1: No! One, he. Caught. And so on. Uh, also, an artist like. Carradine's Bluebeard, Burton, engages in a bizarre and murderous ritual in which he photographs his uh, doomed wives. While it seems to be shooting for the same campiness that earned the uh, abominable Dr. Fibes fans the previous year, Roger Ebert was not really going along with the joke, declaring, There is
0: no longer any novelty in watching the sad disintegration of Richard Burton's acting career. Burton. Bluebeard.
1: It was uh, left to France to produce the only film concerning itself directly with the traditional story, uh, Catherine Brea's uh, 2009 film Bluebeard, or Barbara Blue. There's a framing device involving two sisters reading the fairy tale in the 1950s, but the bulk of the action happens in Perrault's time, And save for one interesting twist, the story conforms in details and mood to the original fairy tale. Well, enough about films and theater. What about some folklore for a change? Perrault's tale is a literary crystallization of some sort of French folk tales he came across, and uh, these were part of a wider family of related tales found uh, in Italy, uh, England, Scotland, Scandinavia, and especially Germany, uh, which uh, gives us our first example, Fitcher's Bird, a story collected by the Grimms. The uh, Bluebird figure here appears as a wizard, and may be named Fitcher, or Fitcher may also have once designated a certain kind of bird. The etymology is unsettled, so we'll just call our bluebeard, in this case, the wizard. Uh, Using his magic powers, our wizard abducts three sisters, one after another, to his castle. There is, again, a locked chamber and keys, but there's also an egg. The egg, it turns out, must be carried everywhere the woman ventures within the castle. Failing to do so, the wizard warns, will have uh, grave consequences. Curiosity, of course, eventually compels the uh, first sister to unlock the forbidden room.
2: Ah!
0: What did she see when she stepped inside? A large bloody basin stood in the middle, inside which lay the cut-up parts of dead girls. Nearby, there was a wooden block with a glistening axe lying on it.
1: This time, it's the egg dropped in the bloody basin. The stain betrays her, as in other stories, and, of course, there are consequences.
0: He threw her down, dragged her by her hair, into the chamber, (coughs) cut off her head on the block, then cut her up into pieces, and her blood flowed out onto the floor. Then he threw her into the basin. With the others.
1: The second sister likewise fails, but when the third sister is taken to the castle, she proves a bit more clever, placing the egg out of harm's way when she unlocks the chamber.
0: Oh, what she saw! Her two sisters were lying there in the basin, miserably murdered and chopped to pieces. In spite of this, she proceeded to gather their parts together, placing them back in order head, body, arms, and legs. Then, when nothing else was missing, the parts began to move. They joined together, and the two girls opened their eyes and came back to life.
1: Fooled into believing the third sister has been obedient, the wizard announces that he will marry her. But with this, the woman gains the upper hand... Now demanding her wizardly fiancée to deliver her family a basket packed with gold. Under the gold, she hides one of the resurrected sisters. Then she places herself in an attic window, warning the wizard that she will be watching his progress, so he must not tarry along the way. Each time the wizard lays down his heavy basket, a voice scolds him, though it's not the all-seeing bride, as he believes, but the sister in the basket and this same sequence is repeated with the second sister. The wedding day comes and the bride creates an effigy to represent her using it seems uh, a prop from the bloody chamber. She took a
0: skull with grinning teeth adorned it with jewelry and with a wreath of flowers carried it to the attic window and let it look out.
1: She makes her escape from the castle by cutting open a mattress covering herself in honey and rolling in feathers the wizard's wedding guests, passing her en route to the castle of course believe she's a bird and the groom believes the skull in the window is his eager bride. The bride's family however knows the score and once the wizard's friends have joined the wizard in his castle the family locks the doors and sets the place on fire. There's also a a similar Italian tale called How the Devil Married Three Sisters, in which uh, it's not blood and corpses behind the locked door, but uh, hell itself. Rather than a key or egg in this one, it's a flower fixed to the bride's hair that betrays the woman's disobedience when it wilts in the heat of hellfire coming from the open door. And there's a Sicilian variant in which the uh, test of fidelity involves eating the flesh from a severed hand. I'll post these two for our uh, Patreon subscribers. Another related story, this one from England, is called Mr. Fox. The first time it appears in print is an 1848 fairy tale collection, but it's clearly much older than this. Um, Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing from 1612 explicitly references a line from the tale that's used as a sort of uh, refrain
0: It is not so, nor twas not so, but indeed, God forbid, it should be so.
1: And a similar reference is made in Edmund Spencer's The Fairy Queen, further back in 1590. Anyway, the story. The wealthy but mysterious Mr. Fox is the uh, villain in this one. Uh, He is engaged to be married to Lady Mary. Uh, To clear up some of the mystery surrounding her fiancé, Lady Mary takes it upon herself to sneak into Fox's castle while he is away. Entering the gateway, she notices an inscription overhead. Be bold, be bold. Passing through the main hall and up some stairs, she then finds a door over which is inscribed. Be bold, be
0: bold, but not too bold, lest your heart's blood run cold.
1: Undeterred, she opens the door and (gasps) finds... Bodies and
0: skeletons of beautiful young ladies, all stained with blood.
1: As she rushes out and down the stairs, she sees Mr. Fox returning and hides herself behind an immense cask. He's dragging a young woman behind him and uh, noticing a diamond ring on her finger, he tries to pull it off, but when this fails, he pulls out his sword. The sword
0: cut off a hand, which jumped up into the air and fell, of all places in the world, into Lady Mary's lap.
1: Mr. Fox searches briefly for the hand, but gives up. Instead, dragging the woman off to the uh, bloody chamber, and Lady Mary uses the opportunity to make her escape. The next scene takes place at a breakfast banquet where the family is gathered to sign the marriage contract. Lady Mary appears unhappy, so Mr. Fox asks for an explanation. She says her sleep was troubled by a nightmare, and then when asked to relate it, she begins to tell the story of her visit to the castle. An increasingly nervous Mr. Fox denies the story along the way, declaring,
0: It is not so, nor t'was not so, but indeed, God forbid it should be so.
1: Mary counters,
0: But it is so, and it was so. Here's the hand and ring I have to show. And she pulled out the lady's hand from her dress and pointed it straight at Mr. Fox. At once her brothers and her friends drew their swords and cut Mr. Fox into a thousand pieces.
1: Another similar story published by the Grimms is The Robber Bridegroom, uh, in which a miller's daughter is to be married to a suitor who, though wealthy, is repellent to her. Noting her uh, lack of uh, enthusiasm, the suitor grumbles that she's never even paid a visit to his home, which he says is...
0: Out there, in the dark forest.
1: (laughs) Reluctantly, the woman agrees to visit. She walked
0: walked almost almost the the whole day until she reached the middle of the forest, where it was the darkest. And there stood a solitary house, which she did not like, for it looked so dark and dismal. She went inside it. But no one was within, and the most absolute stillness reigned. Suddenly, a voice cried, Turn back, turn back, young maiden dear. "'Tis a murderer's house you enter here."
1: The voice, it turns out, is coming from a caged bird. Exploring the empty room, she eventually comes to the cellar where she finds...
0: "'An extremely aged woman whose head shook constantly. "'Can you tell me,' said the maiden, "'if my betrothed lives here?' "'Alas, poor child,' replied the old woman, "'whither hast thou come? Thou art in a murderer's den. Thou thinkest thou art a bride, soon to be married. But thou wilt keep thy wedding with death. Look, I have been forced to put a great kettle with water on over there. And when they have thee in their power, they will cut thee to pieces without mercy. Will cook thee and eat thee, for they are eaters of human flesh
1: she insists the maiden hide, secreting her, as in Mr. Fox behind a uh, great cask once the uh, suitor and his robber companions have returned and fallen asleep the maiden will be able to escape and then, moments later the
0: godless crew
1: returns home, drunk and dragging a screaming girl with them they force wine on her
0: three glasses full one glass of white wine One glass of red and a glass of yellow. And with this, her heart burst in twain. Thereupon they tore off her delicate raiment, laid her on the table, cut her beautiful body in pieces, and strewed salt
1: thereon. Then there is a similar incident with a ring noticed on the girl's finger. It won't come off, so one of the robbers
0: took an axe and cut the finger off. But it sprang up in the air, away over the cask, and fell straight into the bride's bosom.
1: He begins looking for it, and one of his companions suggests searching behind the barrel where the maiden is hiding. But Before he can do so, the old woman calls out,
0: Come, and get something to eat, and leave off looking till morning. The finger won't run away from you.
1: She also helps by drugging the wine, which they have with dinner, allowing the girl to escape to her parents' house. The day of the wedding comes, and while all the guests are making merry, the bride sits silently. When the groom encourages her to contribute something to the conversation, she relates what has happened to her, claiming to relate only a dream. As we've seen before, she ends her story revealing that the events she's narrated actually happened.
0: And here is the finger with the ring. And with these words, she drew it forth and showed it. To those present.
1: The groom and his wicked friends are then seized by the bride's family and delivered to their execution.
0: Well,
1: some of you may be finding uh, all this talk of young women forced into dreadful situations uh, a a bit uh, cruel and misogynistic so I'd like to offer a bit of a musical tonic to traditional ballads which have drawn comparison to the Bluebeard story but in which the woman uh, more satisfyingly gains the upper hand the first is a uh, Dutch ballad dating probably to the 13th century called uh, "Hera Hallewin or uh, Lord Hallewin It's the uh, song you're hearing. Depending on the version, uh, Lord Halavin might uh, be a sorcerer, uh, a demon, or a powerful fairy who uh, employs a song of enchantment to draw young women into the forest where he kills them. However, things don't work this way with the uh, princess who is the uh, song's heroine. Under the spell of his song, she rides with Halavin to a field of gallows where he declares that because she is so beautiful, he will offer her a choice in her mode of death. She chooses beheading, uh, suggesting that Halavin's uh, shirt is so fine it should not be soiled by her blood. Um, And As he removes it, his song is muffled and the spell is broken for but a moment, but long enough for the princess to seize Halavin's uh, sword and chop off his head.
2: An outlandish knight from the Northlands came. He came a wooing of me. He told me he'd take me to some Northlands and there he would marry me.
1: This is the uh, other song called Lady Isabel and the Outlandish Knight, or Lady Isabel and the Elf Knight, or by a few other names. Uh, It first appears in print in 1776 as May Colvin. Uh, a name more common in Scotland, where May replaces Isabel as the uh, heroine. In some versions, he's an elven knight uh, who, like uh, Halavin, uses magic to seduce the heroine, while in others he's simply an outlandish, or that is, foreign knight, who, uh, as you heard, promises marriage as an enticement to Isabel to uh, accompany him to his homeland. Before departing, He demands a lavish dowry, gold, and uh, horses uh, on which they ride off. But as they approach uh, what from the context would seem to be seaside cliffs, the knight orders the woman to dismount and turn over her horse, revealing his uh, wicked uh, modus operandi.
2: For six pretty maidens, I've drowned it here, and the seventh one you shall be.
1: Then, as if to rub salt in the wound, the knight demands she remove the fine clothing she wears, since he apparently considers that part of his dowry hall, too. But uh, villainous as he is, it's still the age of chivalry, so when she requests he turn his back for modesty's sake, he complies. And Isabel takes advantage of this moment of inattention.
2: I caught him the middle so small and tumbled him into the stream
1: the knight doesn't immediately go under begging her to reach out and pull him from the waves
2: catch hold of my hand my pretty fair maid and I will make thee my bride lie there lie there you false hearted man lie there instead of me Pretty maidens you've drowned here but the seventh one hath drowned thee
1: at this point the ballad sometimes ends but often takes a very odd turn Isabel arrives back in her father's house sometime before dawn disturbing a caged parrot named Paul which uh, begins squawking well actually talking uh, you might think uh, almost being murdered by a serial killer would have <laughs> Provided some uh, perspective, but apparently Isabel is terrified about her father, learning she's arrived home in the wee hours from an adventure like this, so she begs the parrot not to betray her, promising a reward for the bird's complicity. So, when the father calls down to the bird asking what the trouble is, the quick thinking parrot offers a cover story about being frightened by a prowling cat, which uh, Isabel appreciates.
2: Well turned, well turned, my pretty pole part Well turned, well turned for me Now that cage shall be made of the glittering gold And the door of the best ivory
1: And so the song ends with Isabel safe, her secret preserved And an apparently a status-conscious parrot looking forward to his uh, fancy new cage It's also nearly time to uh, end our episode, but I do have a final tidbit about these uh, birds that serve as witnesses or can offer warnings like the the caged bird and the robber bridegroom. It's possible the uh, ridiculous uh, parrot episode seems to be tacked onto our ballad evolved from something a bit more integrated into the story. There's a German version of Lady Isabel, in which the uh, souls of the previously drowned women appear as doves to warn the next victim. Birds are often symbols of departed souls who offer warnings, as we've seen in uh, the juniper tree uh, folktale I talked about in episode 14. And it's not just in fairy tales in which birds may serve as a channel through which the dead speak. It happens in the real world. In uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan in 2017, as a matter of fact. This talkative parrot helped
0: finger a killer. The parrot, named Bud, turned into a stool pigeon, suddenly squawking what sounded like a reenactment of the murder. No, 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 shut up! And it ends with these chilling words. So the final chapter in the case of the parrot that witnessed the murder has now been closed.
1: I hope everyone's been enjoying our show and that you uh, might have the opportunity to share episodes with friends who would be inclined to enjoy what we do. Uh, We particularly appreciate reviews as these are the best way to uh, raise the show's uh, profile on Apple Podcasts and other uh, outlets. If you've left a review, by all means, do let me know because I will give you a little shout-out. Our website, BowdenSickle.com, provides links to our Facebook group, uh, Instagram and Twitter, along with show notes, uh, plenty of images and video uh, links to the uh, film trailers and music used in the program. Music and sound design otherwise are all original for the show. You can also find our donor link on the site. Patreon members have a choice of rewards, including exclusive access to uh, extra elements that go into the making of the uh, podcast, uh, digital downloads of rare books in our uh, reference library, the uh, show soundscapes you hear in the background, and my Krampus book, and even a mystery uh, initiation kit, as well as a signed 8x10 photo of Wilkinson, which is suitable for framing and adulation. Uh, donation levels begin at one dollar a month and your support via patreon is the sole support that pays for the more than 100 hours of work that actually goes into each episode we had quite a few new supporters or members who increased their pledges this month for which i'm very grateful uh thank you to mike farrell uh daniel fenton anderson sebastian kempa uh, Matt Gurdick, uh, Taz Ainsworth, Darren Davis, Ryan Liliano, and Old Shrugzy, And thanks to Brendan Labor and uh, Blue Meanie for their very kind reviews. The show is written and produced by me, Al Ridenauer. Wilkinson is played by Will Gallagher. Thanks so much for listening.